So this might be wrong, but I think I'm finally, I think this is it. I figured out the Celtics game plan or Brad Stevens game plan. Loved the hires he did, uh, just going out and finding veteran guys to get around Missoula um, because I still think Missoula is a guy that we stumbled into despite him being like the most tucked away on the shelf, like, oh, this guy could be a coach someday. Mm -hmm. You have to burn through four head coaching candidates in three years and all four of, we'll say, excluding Missoula, anybody would take Brad Stevens as their head coach. Almost anybody. Almost anybody would take Emi Adoka if he wasn't alleged to be whatever he did. And yeah. then Will Hardy, I feel like, is, oh, man, I'm so bummed that I have Will Hardy as my head coach. Mm -hmm. Will Hardy? Will yeah. Hardy, yeah. My, my, brain, my brain went to a musician named Hardy, and I, anyway, uh, it's been a crazy couple weeks. But anyway, I loved all those hires. Now we're on Missoula. But... I think what Brad is doing is I think this is finally going to be the year when I don't love it because in my football brain doesn't go, Oh, you were the third debatably second best team in the NBA. I not taking anything away from the Miami heat and heat culture, but I mm -hmm. feel like if you play that seven game series another time, I don't know if Miami wins. If you yeah. play two more times, I don't know if Miami wins two of like, I feel like it, it just was a perfect stars in Miami got it done. And that's all that matters is you got the wins in the win column. But respectfully, I've just never seen another sport where it's so nonchalantly. Oh yeah. Just blow up when you were the second or third best team in the entire world at playing basketball. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. But I guess, is there a comparison in football of like a team that's consistently been in that same spot, like over and over and over. And they, they like there's like growing concerns or growing like rumblings with their second best guy, whether he wants to stay long term. Well, football is harder because it's not a second best guy. I get it's a weird deal. But yeah, but anyway, I guess the whole thing is I think what's going to happen is the everybody keeps talking about the centers because Isaiah Stewart was in Celtics rumors. I think they're oh, going to really? blow up all the guards that we have. I think Marcus Smart might be gone. Peyton Pritchard said he wants to leave. Totally justified because he's a guy that could be a offensive leader for a bench unit for a lot of teams maybe not a championship caliber team but for a lot of teams he would get real time mm -hmm. being the leader of a, a a bench unit and he was just not used at all yeah um, so i think he'll probably looked at devin white's the guy that i know that a lot of people have asked about even derek before white. the derek white oh my Devin goodness. white plays for the tampa bay buccaneers yeah right? as the yeah. middle linebacker <laughs> man I think you've You're done that have, before on this show. I'm sure I have. You, there's going to be a lot of those this episode's uh, yeah. listeners and viewers and everything. My brain is somewhere else, but we're going to be here. It's yeah. just fried. But it's a – it's a, anyway, there's just going to be a lot of shifts up, and I don't – what makes me kind of – I don't know what happens with Jalen Brown. Mm. I don't. I have – I can't yeah. figure it out. Like I've thought all these things. I'm like, do they go like with the Wizards and like – send him to Washington and get like Kuzma for back for cheap. Not for Brad. Brad oh. Stevens, I think is so far out on Kyle Kuzma, but like Jalen Brown, especially with his playoff performance is in this weird spot where he's not worth what he's worth, but you, there's like this giant shelf of guys that like, oh, they're way older. Is that worth it? Or 
they don't want to play in Boston. Is that worth it? Like, it's just this weird where I don't know where to put him because I think he's worth the second tier where you package him with a couple firsts and you could go get that upper echelon of guy. You're talking but about Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown, yes. Yeah, yeah. But then I with agree. how he played in the playoffs, that's raised some concerns for people of just like kind of not being present. And I think people are discounting the fact that he had a cut on his shooting hand. Like, Oh, yeah. Like that, that just mm-hmm. doesn't get brought up. Not that it excuses him disappearing and having the easiest second man job in the NBA of like, mm-hmm. you had a bad game. It's okay. Jason Tatum probably didn't. You both had and a bad game. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum's fault. More importantly, he had a cut on his only dribbling hand. <laughs> and that's, that's the, that's the Kyrie curse. That'll never go away. Yeah. That was Kyrie that did that to him. And you can't also probably the increase of usage. Like we need you to go be less of a on ball defender. I just don't know. Like, where do you go? Because it's – and I just don't like being the team that's going to – the CBA is happening, and I think it was – CJ McCollum was like, for all the people saying the CBA is terrible for players, wait till the good stuff comes out that's for us. Yeah. And who knows what that's going to be. But in terms of a team like the Celtics that have all these contracts coming up that are going to be like one of the first big teams that gets quote-unquote nuked by this new CBA – Um I'm not looking forward to it, to say the yeah. slightest. Because uh, once I realized how uneducated I was on it, I kind of did a deeper dive. And yeah. Anyway, we never did a proper intro because I just started ranting about the Celtics before recording. So yeah, put a pin <laughs> in that. We'll come back. Uh, welcome to, I don't even know. Is it the Rodney Harrison episode? 37? Rodney Harrison. That's football. We're on, th- That's 30, we're on 39. 39? Yeah. Oh, Which- man. Because we did Lawrence Maroney, Patriots legend. We did Ron Artest for 37. Oh, 38. that makes sense because football numbers. Yeah, 38 I did solo and I did Saban Lee, <laughs> who's like barely in the NBA. And then 39, do you want to take a guess who it is? I only have two guys that I could find really as like people I considered doing. One of them was Dwight Howard. And it's not oh. him. Like Sixers and Lakers, Dwight Howard. Yeah. Um, who else wears thirty nine? Is just a number that nobody is worn except for this guy that I'm about to say, or you're about to guess. Uh, I'm, only I'm on his guess. I only on his Lawrence rookie deal. Maroney. Oh, it geez. was on his rookie deal, and it was on Recent? the trust trust the process Sixers. Oh, there's no way. The only thirty nine that's stuck in my head is Golden Gophers football legend Lawrence Maroney. Okay. And that's not right because he wore 39 in New England. I think I um, can get you to guess the player still, though. So he, okay. he started with the Sixers. Then he went to the Thunder. Oh. Then he. Th- then Nuggets he, legend Jeremy Grant? Yep. Exactly. He only wore the 39. That's wild. Yeah. His first like three seasons, I think, with the Sixers, something like that. But yeah, Jeremy Grant. So hello and welcome to the Jeremy Grant episode of the Hoop Theory podcast, a.k.a. episode 39. There we My are. Name is Logan Wortman, and I am once again joined by my good friend, Jacob Roth. Jacob, how's it going? It's going good. Feels good to be back. Brain's mm-hmm. a little scrambled today. I don't know if yeah. you get the outro cut. We did a whole thing before because I was just ranting about the Celtics, but anyway, whatever order you digest this information, sorry if I say the wrong name, jump over to football, or just talk about something completely unrelated, but I'm back <laughs> and I'm excited to be here. Yes, we are excited to have you back. And uh, also very excited to say that the Denver Nuggets are officially NBA champions. I t- uh, it feels pretty great. <laughs> oh, it should. 
I texted yeah. you because I'm a football. For, I've said this a bazillion times, I feel, but uh, New England Patriots are my football team. I jumped in at a very opportune time because they drafted Bo Rude in 2008. And then they kind of had a lot of success after that, um, if you didn't know. So mm-hmm. I've, I've been familiar with this euphoric feeling of like, my team did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I texted you. It was like, it's the second best feeling that I've ever felt outside of holding my child for the first time. And yeah. I mean that. I'm married. Mm-hmm. The wedding day was way more stressful. So I just was like, this is not, it's a great memory. Top five for <laughs> sure. But the, the 28 to three Atlanta comeback in my buddy's basement that was an all-time mm-hmm. – that's an all-time moment for me that will never go away. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. Holding children for my children for the first time, like, oh, this is this is my flesh and blood. That's different, but nah, that, that championship hits different. Also, I'm convinced that that championship parade alone convinced Nikola Jokic to play till he's 70, maybe yeah. older. Because he, he looked- like – not even like the intoxicated or anything, but you could just like – I don't know Jokic personally. I've seen him once in person in an Olive Garden, kind of a big deal. Yeah. But it was – have we ever even told that story? I don't think so on the podcast. That's a great story. The You should tune in for on episode 69. Just kidding. I don't know <laughs> when it will come. But uh, So he just was like, I wanted to go home. And I, I almost sent you a text that like, does he even stay for the parade? And maybe that's why the parade was so fast because I feel like most of the time championship parades go like a, cup, like a week later. But it was like we won on Monday night. Praise on Thursday yeah. morning. It was just uh, bang, bang, bang. I was like, okay. But Jokic must have not wanted to go home, but then he his not safe for work quote was like, I didn't really want to be here for the parade, but yeah. I want to keep king parading. It was it, it was good. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah. And uh so apparently he was trying to get home for on Sunday. There was like a a uh, so tomorrow, uh just for context when we're recording this, there's like a European horse racing racing circuit that's going on. In his hometown in Sambor. Oh. So it's like a big deal, apparently, is why he wanted to get home. <laughs> but like it wasn't just because he hates bat like that. I feel like a lot of people uh have reacted to it like he hates basketball or doesn't enjoy it. I don't and a lot of people say that. I don't think that's the case. Like I I do think he enjoys a lot about basketball. I just don't think he it's like the only thing in his life, you know. But I think the hoopla around basketball is the least appealing part of basketball to him, and that's yeah. all playoff basketball is. Mm-hmm. It's just the hoopla around. Yeah. Uh, my food for lunch just got here. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Before we get into anything, I guess, please make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching the YouTube version, uh, the video version on YouTube. Um, and also follow the feed if you're listening on Spotify or any of the podcast platforms. Rate the show if it allows you to rate it. I think Spotify has that. But, uh, yeah, do that. And please consider joining the Patreon at patreon.com slash hoop theory. Um, and then also, if you would rather not do like a monthly donation thing um, and you still want to support the show, then there's another option for you. You can just do a one time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash hoop theory. Um, and just FYI, both the links for both those things, Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon, are both in the show description and the episode description wherever you're listening to this. So check that stuff out. Um, also check out the shorts on TikTok, YouTube and Facebook, I think, and, and Twitter, Instagram, all those places. But yeah, let's get back into it. Um, that was a little bit of an ad break while Jacob was getting his, his lunch. 
<laughs> now he looks like he's struggling with his coffee. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, Nuggets are officially champions. So let's get back into that. The um, I watched game four in Denver at the DNVR bar. And that was a lot of fun. There was a crazy atmosphere. But the only thing I kind of regret is like choosing game four to go to instead of game five, because game five was like way more low key. Like it was kind of, it felt a little anticlimactic because like I was not around any Nuggets fans or anything uh, when we did end up winning it. Um, So it was weird. It was kind of like a, it was hard to process, I guess, in the moment, but it was still like crazy. Um, So that was great. Game four, game five was like not a great game in terms of anybody shooting other than Jokic. Um, But it was still like close, which made it more entertaining, you know, all the way to the end. But I guess we could go over game three, game four and game five a little bit, just since the last episode that we've put out was my thoughts in between games two and three. Um, So in game three, it was the first game in Miami. Uh, The Heat were up or no, we were tied one, one going into game three because the heat stole game two. And then, so we go in there, Malone had some adjustments to that uh, weird heat zone that was messing us up. And that, that Spo added some very different changes to, you know, it it started off as like a one, three, one in game one, game two, it was more of a two, three Um, or wait, no, I said that the other way around. It started off as a two, three in game one. And then in game two, it was like a one three one, but that started in like the full court as man. And then it looked like a two three at first. They disguise it as like a two three. And then the guard who's opposite of the ball will, he drops down to the center, like the middle of the floor around the free throw line. And the two wing guys rise up to make it like a one three one. And it's just a very confusing thing because it was like, it didn't seem to matter who was in what spot other than bam was usually the baseline guy it's just like they would man up with their guys in transition to try to stop the play in transition and then wherever they ended up on the court that's just kind of where they picked up the zone and uh and like the main thing about it was that you couldn't really tell what it was until like halfway through the play like it it just took the nug it kept taking the nuggets so long to get into what they wanted to get into was the main reason why it was effective because it, it gave us such a little shot clock. It, it essentially turned our shot clock from like 24 down to like 12 seconds. Um, And yeah, it was hard to get Jokic the ball. They made it as hard as possible for Jokic to get the ball exactly where you want a player to get the ball when you're going against a zone, which is around the free throw line. Um, so they had a guard fronting Jokic right there, um, and they would have Bam pinched up on his back, basically. Um, to not allow any like room for error on that pass if they're trying to overthrow him. And uh, so the adjustment that Michael Malone made for game three, or I don't know if it was Malone or if it was David Adelman or if, if it was Jokic himself, not sure. Could have been any of those three guys. But in game three, they instead of trying to give him the ball there at the top of the key or around the free throw line area, they just were feeding him the ball in the post down on the block. So he was posting up Bam, who's the baseline guy, and because they're in a zone, he's allowed to get like way deeper than he would in a normal man to man before he even catches the ball. So he's already really close to the hoop when he gets the ball. So like he's going to score like almost every time when that happens. 
So that caused the defensive or the heat's zone to collapse. You know, people had to come over and help on Jokic. And so that that's what uh, just allowed all of those open cutters and open kickouts for threes, which is Jokic's element. That's like where he wants to play. So that was amazing. That's why game three was such a like a masterclass. Jokic went off for 32, 21 and 10, uh, which was the first 30, 2010 game in NBA finals history. And it was also only the fifth 30, 2010 game in NBA playoff history. And Jokic has three of those, <laughs> three of the five. Um, I think the only other two people who have had a 30-20-10 playoff game are Hakeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan, if I'm not mistaken. And then Murray, on top of that, had his first ever 30-point triple-double, and it was in a finals game, 34-10-10. So it was the first time two teammates had both both have like a triple-double in general in the finals together. And it was the first time in NBA history in any game, regardless of regular season, playoffs, finals, anything, that two teammates both had 30 tri- 30 point triple doubles in the same game. So just a, a wild like combo that they they like these two guys have put on uh throughout the playoffs. It's been one of the best like two man runs, I feel like. Like you this can rank up there with like the best one guy run of all time, Jokic, and then also it's like one of the best duos as well. Um cuz Murray had even though people say he didn't have that great of a finals he still was like the third or fourth player ever to average 20 and 10 over the entire final series. Uh, he turned it more into like a playmaker than he's ever been on the biggest stage, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was game three. And then in game four, that was the first game that Jokic got in foul trouble a lot uh, pretty early because game four <laughs> and five were like that. Sorry. And that's one thing that kind of shocked me with like the foul trouble thing is like, that's just a heat thing to do to get a guy into foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And they just, and it's, I guess it was just Jokic. Um, and I guess I, I stayed silent a little too long. The Jokic 30, 20, and 10 thing was the most casual, like insanely historic stat line that everybody just brushed off. Yeah. They were just like, it was just Jokic doing mm-hmm. Jokic things. But yeah, he had an even I, better one just two weeks before that in the Lakers series. He had 34. He, uh, 34, 20, and 14, I think, something like that. If I'm going to die and someone's going to have a 30, 20, and 20, I think it's Jokic. If, like, that has to happen before I die. Yeah. Yeah. It might it, be. It won't. That's in, that's insane. But that's uh-huh. that's just great because that means you'd account for, let's say, just let's just say that every single one of your assists is a two. You're still accounting for 70 of your team's 120 that's yeah wild uh-huh but um i anyway. think luca luca would be the only other guy i could see doing that I and that's see if they Jokic get rid of Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. another team that you could break down and just be like what anyway yeah. um we've got a lot of off season left in my brain just like going towards the but the, this so like that 30 and 30 that was like a game that miami just was like okay we're not winning this one this is an impossibility. They're just both that, that two man game was an all time thing just to watch. And then I didn't go to game four out in Denver with you guys, but um, that game was a little bit different. You were just going to go into it, but like I, my biggest thing is like, what was the difference of the atmosphere? Like being in the, in the pit with all these other dudes that are all like, maybe like how crazy was that? And it during was that really game four, crazy. And it wasn't like, I mean, game five was definitely the quote unquote, 
game that was like it was an ugly slosh fest elimination game. Nuggets mm-hmm. kind of always had control, not always, but never felt like they they were always in kind of comfortable positioning. Yeah, we but were it, never was, out it of was it was ugly. It was an ugly game because it's an elimination game, and there's never really pretty elimination games ever. Yeah, what it was, was that game four like? Um, game four was great. It was a wild atmosphere. Uh, it was just insane to be to see like that many Nuggets fans around me. Um, I, you know, definitely more than I've ever seen other than actually being at a game. It kind of felt like that being at a game for the most part. Um, there was a guy at the table next to us that had like one of those nineties, uh, rainbow nuggets flags that he was just waving every time, like, you know, something crazy happened. Uh, the whole bar was like whenever MPJ would hit a layup or something like that, we would all go, Mike, 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 Mike. Um, and Bruce, it, it would sound like a boo, but everybody's going, Bruce, which he had a huge game, game four. I think really the first, it was like Aaron Gordon's game, the first half. And then it was like the Bruce Brown game for the second half. Like they, they took over and, and really put us over the top of that game, especially with Jokic being in foul trouble, um, which it was clear in game four and five. That was basically the Heat's game plan was like, let's see how much we can get away with, like how physical we can be. And Jokic has always kind of had that problem where when he feels like he's being played really physically and not getting like very many calls, he just gets gets mad and he does stupid things. Like he gets aggressive. So uh, he makes pretty bad decisions with like, uh, like frustration fouls type of thing. A lot of those, which it's like the, it's almost like the kryptonite. I don't want to say kryptonite, but it's like the weird downside or bad side of like the Jokic is just like this galaxy brain, like, you know, really smart basketball guy. But if, if he gets angry, he just like all of that goes out the window. <laughs> he's the whole, yeah. He like, just like he's Bruce Banner most of the time. And then all of a sudden he just like turns his brain off and just gets mad and red and angry. And then does the exact same like hand thing to the rest. Yeah. Where his, like hands are straight up like this. Yeah. You can tell he's European just by the way he like his body you know, body language when he does that. And it's like flat hands. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a, you haven't seen it in a while where he's really gotten like mm-hmm. mad. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Um, Game was five, any- it was like they, the refs were trying to extend the series. I, oh, I really believe that. I know. I texted my buddy. I was like, um, I'm not going to get the, but the, pretty much the gist of the text was like, I'm all for like good basketball and stuff, but like, this is, this is, beyond scott foster level of yeah. series extending because uh-huh. i'm like you're in denver i'm just like what it was insane like, like I, it was i don't usually believe in that kind of stuff but i was like there's no way especially the the one that said it over the top was the foul on jimmy butler on the corner three with like a minute or like it was pretty late in the in the fourth quarter where his foot kicks out he kicks his legs out and mm-hmm. he kicks aaron gordon in the crotch and then they they call a three point foul, and then they even review it, and they still stick on like they're like, nope. It, Aaron Gordon got in his landing area, which did not happen at all. Like Jimmy's well, and there's legs like a came difference. back, and yeah, and, and that's like this just needs to be reviewed because they needed to get rid of the scourge of the James Harden Trey Young. Like I throw my like they needed to fix something. Yeah, but. And I know that that was like a, a a straw man case of like, well, this is why that rule is bad. Because, like, there is times where, like, 
if you just like fall down in a dude's, there was another one during a, the Celtics Miami where Al Horford, I think fell over. And then Jimmy Butler, like his landing spot shifted a foot to the left. So his like foot clipped Al Horford on the way down. Yeah. Same exact thing, but like they just need to find some sort of middle of like, how do you set what the landing zone is? Because yeah. it moves, it moves how people used to like, like lean into the contact to get it. Now they just move their landing zone to force contact. And like, Mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do like Aaron Gordon was like almost intentionally comically far away from Jimmy Butler with his hands up yeah exactly and he just got I was shocked it was insane I, like the thing is what you're saying about like the landing area moving like I feel like they did a much better job for the most part this season in officiating that where like literally what that play was right there what Jimmy Butler did I've seen that called as an offensive foul more often than I've seen that as as a defensive foul. Like when a player kicks his legs out that much. Like I've seen that called the offensive foul all the time. But like it, it was – and the thing is, even if you want to call it like a landing zone violation thing, like he, the th- he kicked his legs out, but he didn't even successfully like get him to be in his landing zone because he kicked his legs out, brought him back, and kind of landed back in like his normal landing area. And Aaron Gordon wasn't even close to him. Because like, he was reeling from getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it was just confusing. Like, I, I'm just in, like, especially on the replay, how they stu- stuck with the call. And it wasn't like, oh, there's not enough evidence to overturn. Like, Mark Davis just straight up was like, no, this is what happened. It was his legs were, you know, he was get- getting in Jimmy's landing zone or whatever. It was like, that no, was not- <laughs> whatever. It, it was wild. Like, because even on the call, the guys were like, they saw it once and they're like, I don't get caught. And then they just kind of like, because this weird broadcast thing where they can't crap on the refs. Cause I think the refs are like right there. So they yeah. like, don't say anything, but like immediately when they saw the first replay, they're like, Oh, that's going to be an, either a no call or an offense. Like that's not on Aaron yeah. Gordon at all. And then immediately they just like went silent after it came out again. They were just kind of like, yeah, yeah. But, we got, we got a couple minutes left. The finals basketball here. Yeah, it was, it was just, yeah, yeah, it was interesting to say I th- the least. I think Mark Jackson or one of them at least after after a bit of a pause was like that I don't think that's I think that's a bad call or something <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but, no, it's and it was definitely an, an uncomfortable ish situation to listen to. Because there's some of those where you're like listening, you're like, that was weird. That was clunky, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the other thing that I would like to uh bring up is we talked about last episode I was on would have been 37 Ron Artest. Um, Metal World Peace. What it was Ron Artest episode. Ron Artest, yeah. Um, so the Michael Porter Jr. thing. He had some very nice moments, um, and he did a really good job playing his role. But like, he wasn't the 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 force that I intended. If you would have told me that the Nuggets are going to win this year's finals at the start of the year, and like their fifth best player in the playoffs will be in a series in the playoffs would be Michael Porter Jr. Maybe even lower than that. I would have laughed because that doesn't make sense. Was it just Miami or what do you think happened? Oh, I just think, I mean, MPJ is fine to his role and do nothing. I just cause like <laughs> did do nothing, not nothing, but like offensively, he was kind of a, a, a he couldn't shoot. His shot points. was broken. His shot was broken. That that was the thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was scary. Like it wasn't like, oh, they're giving him tough looks. They're making he was getting. Good Pretty looks. darn nice looks and mm-hmm. was still just building a house with bricks. It was bad. Yeah. A lot of the shots 
for like rimming out. I mean, there were some shots that looked bad, but a lot of them were rimming out. Just none of them ended up falling. It was other than in game five, he did finally get a three to go. The game five was by far his, his best game. I think he had 16 and 13, 16 points, 13 rebounds, something like that. Um, and he had a stretch where he was, he was making some buckets. Um, one of them was a three. He took a couple to the rack. Uh, that honestly, that stretch is really kind of what bolstered us back into the game in the fourth quarter or, you know, gave us the lead back basically. Um, and yeah, his, his rebounding has always been awesome. He's been by far, I think the second best rebounder on our team behind Jokic. Um, but, and he, I think he played his role defensively, honestly, other than game, uh, game two, he was pretty rough. Uh, but since then, after that, he was kind of back to getting, you know, the right rotations out there and, and, uh, holding his own when switched on to. So I don't know. I think I like, I'm still really happy to have MPJ. Um, I'm not mad at him at all. I'd like, and I don't know if you saw, I sent it to a group text, but the interview that he had after game five, did you hear that? He, um, he basically was like, you know, my shot was broken all series, but I don't care. I don't care if I scored like zero points this whole series. Like I'm a champion. Nobody could tell me anything. I do remember that now that you say it was, it was right after you were talking about, uh, Coming out of Missouri, he had a very bad rap, and he might have had a bad headspace coming out of Missouri too. Of like, I'm this guy, but the Mike Malone like bullied him into a the into a mold. Mm-hmm. Seems to have worked with MPJ pretty well, mm-hmm. as he was he was a very willing to take on that like, uh, just his role. Yeah, he's like sounds good. Also, mm-hmm. um, kind of not giving we've given the Nuggets a lot of love until Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter of that game five or was it third quarter oh well, what happened for it was jimmy, he was just put jimmy butler had the greatest first like two and a half like series in the playoffs to turn it like the second half of the celtic series outside of game seven a little rough and yeah. then he looked just like regular season jimmy butler the entire nugget series outside of that little stretch and i think it was in game five yeah because game two, game two was the Bam out of bio game where Bam was just cooking on a level that was unforeseen. I yeah, might be Bam, mixing games up. Bam had a good game. I feel like every game, but two is probably the, his might've been his best. Yeah. I think he, had like he like opened up like 16 points in the first 12 minutes. Or I don't know why I didn't just say quarter, like an idiot. Max but. Struess had like four, four threes in the first quarter. I think Duncan Robinson had like three or four threes in the, in the fourth quarter. The, just yeah. the Michael Porter Jr. Struggle bus game was game two, which is fine. It was everybody's the, struggle bus game, honestly, on defense. But I just feel KCP's like he's fouled three three-point shooters, gave up nine feel, free throws. Yeah. Yeah, that is rough. But I just feel like that was the thing I talked about a lot after game one is like Michael Porter Jr. denying to all these like – streaky three-point shooters for the heat that was like a big part of like how they won game one the way they did and then game two that didn't happen and it was just, that's why i said mpj but yeah um, it just was interesting like not to take anything away from this run that jimmy butler had but like i was kind of bummed that he was mm-hmm. like this unstoppable force and then he just turned into kind of like not that he didn't have these huge moments and wasn't like good he was still a great basketball player but it was just interesting to see how he like his shooting gone. regressed for sure by miles. And yeah. then I think it had to have been game five 
where he just like started to do Jimmy Butler things. I'm like, wait, are they not? Yeah, gonna be he able was hitting shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was. Um, we yeah. were playing. It was weird because we were playing them uh, the same way Milwaukee was, uh, <laughs> playing playing Jimmy like going under on every screen and playing drop coverage on him, and but like that was a smart thing to do against him in this situation because he wasn't shoot like he wasn't shooting well from like you know deep two to three range those, those moving threes that like only Steph Curry can do like that yeah. no one really can do that well yeah mm-hmm. he's finally started missing those yeah exactly so that was lucky for us but also I feel like we were like overplaying him a lot during the series like yeah he looked bad this series but he his playmaking by far this was his best series uh because and that I feel like in game two that was the big one of the big reasons why those guys, uh, Max and and Duncan, were hitting those threes, was because um, we would double Jimmy, like whenever he was one on one, we would send a double at him, and so then he would, you know, just kick it off to an open shooter, and like there was just so many open threes that that they kept getting in almost every game. Really, we survived that. We got better at the rotations. Game two, we just like the rotations to recover were not there in game three they were there but they were, we were still giving up some open three-pointers that was hurting like I, I honestly feel like if we would have just played jimmy straight up i'm curious to see if we would have had like played them even better than we did um because ever since he rolled his ankle really in the next series he hasn't like he's had a few moments but he's not been like what he's he was stretches, in the series but he yeah. didn't have games he had these stretches of crazy but never yeah mm-hmm yeah. And I'm also curious to see, and I feel like out of all the guys that won't probably come out of like how serious it was and it'll be a big headline, I might be wrong, but usually I feel like, oh, LeBron was playing with the torn this. Oh, this was being played on. Every guy plays through stuff, but I just feel like Jimmy Butler's a guy that it won't be like, oh, I actually had a high ankle sprain and was like drugged up out of my mind to be able to play at all. Like, I'm sure that just won't come out, even if it is true, whatever it is, but it is a. Yeah. Uh, Unless I've missed something in the hole I've been in the past two weeks. But I feel like, not two weeks, but week, whatever. It's no, been. yeah, he's he's been denying it. Somebody asked him in the postgame if if it's been bothering him, and he was like, no, that was that was not a factor or, or something like that. He just was, yeah. Just yeah. A, a stereotypical expected Jimmy Butler heat culture type of answer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you see LeBron's post today or yesterday or whatever that was? Wild. That was just out of pocket wild. Because I didn't Ma- get it. Do you know why he said that? No, because Michael Malone made a joke on Pat McAfee where he was like, speaking of the Lakers, I have I'm I have some news to break. I'm thinking about retiring. Michael <laughs> Malone said that. That's <laughs> wild. Like the thing is, Michael Malone and LeBron have always been like friendly and like they've always been friends because Michael Malone was the uh, like he was an assistant for the Cleveland staff back when LeBron was there the first run with mm-hmm. Cleveland. Um, So like, I don't know if they're not cool anymore because of that or something, but it seemed like he, that's what he was mad about um, based off of just reading. Like, I don't know what else he would be talking about, you know? Yeah. Like he says in the quote, he says like, I hear that you, you've been, I've been on your mind so much or I've been, you've been talking about me so much or so, something like that. And it was like, okay. Um, I just, honestly, I really hate Lakers fans. Like I've never been like that with most things, but like I'm really starting to just like genuinely sports hate Lakers fans. 
Oh, no. Well, you just have to, like, um, understand that most of them don't know what's going on. And they think everything is about them. Yeah. Like, the, every sure. time, like, they don't understand why Michael Malone was mad, like, talking trash about them and why, you know? And then, like, now every time, any anytime, like, anything happens that the Lakers are brought up or anything, they're always like, oh, we're, we, we're living in the Nuggets' head or we're living in Michael Malone's head rent-free. Like, oh, he really cares about us so much or, or something about that, like – it was like he he made a comment and you know after game 1 about how the nuggets went up 1-0 but the whole media narrative was all about how the lakers have figured out the nuggets and he was With like i've never second half Rui Hachimura yeah. thing yeah he was like i've never seen that before where a team goes up in in the western conference finals and the whole media narrative is about the other team um and so he's like so we you know we went up 1-0 put that in your pipe and smoke it <laughs> that like triggered a lot of Lakers fans. And ever since then they've been like, I don't know, bring it up all the time. And they bring it up as like, Oh, you can't talk trash to us. Cause we have 17 rings. And it was like, no, you don't either claim the players or claim the rings. <laughs> yeah. and don't cherry pick. This <laughs> takes me off to no end. 17 rings. Is it six of them or not even in LA? They're all in Minneapolis. It's either four or five. Fine. Okay, whatever. I'm I overdoing it. And I don't even care about the Celtics have 17 thing. What? But don't be like, oh, well, we kind of sort of don't really claim that we were in Minneapolis for a long time. Mm-hmm. But we'll keep the name and we'll keep the titles. Thank you. What? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I think anyway. it was five, actually. I think they have 12. Pretty sure it's five titles. But regardless, yeah, they – even if it was 12, even if they're flexing like, oh, 12 rings to one, you know, same point. Um I'm still like, who? Like that's not what we're talking about. We we swept you. <laughs> this Western Conference Finals. That's that's the point. Um, and also, the uh, they always bring up. I, I it's the they play both sides with this with LeBron, where it's like, like oh you you can't say he's not the best player in the league because he's 39 and still doing this. And then when he loses, when he gets beat, everybody's like he's 39. Congratulations, you beat a 39 year old. You know. It's like you you can't have both sides of that. <laughs> like, he, yeah. Congrats, you beat he, a nineteen year old Jason Tatum. One of LeBron's rings doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Like there it's the go. same exact flip side logic. That's mm-hmm. so dumb. Yeah. Exactly. Also, if you're gonna build your team where your thirty nine year old is your like only saving grace, get a new GM. That man's avoided enough blame. Palinka has been blameless of this whole explosion since the bubble championship. And he's just kind of ducked and weaved like all of the blame that got mm-hmm. thrown at a bunch of other people. But like, oh, we've got this team with like this really nice like defensive core behind these two superstar offensive pieces. Let's blow it up and make the banana boat crew. Let's just do it. Let's go full offense, full vet, and then have to backtrack, get the coach fired, find a new coach that does almost the same exact thing, respectfully, to Darvin Ham and, uh, oh, wow, Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. They're- they're like eerily similar. They kind of just exist on that team. But, <laughs> yeah. They're um, good defensive minded guys. Yeah. But you can't do anything defensive minded where you're like, Hey Carmelo, I know that this might not be your thing, but I would appreciate if you could become a KCP level lockdown defender. <laughs> what? Yeah. That what? was the problem last year for sure. I, oh, well, I'm, I actually am starting to become a Plinka defender a little bit because 
seems like this is what I've heard. Like all the moves that they've made this year to improve, that was all Polinka. And all the stuff that's been going on before, he's just been, like he's been making LeBron happy. Like with all the mm. moving out people to get Russ and get older. And, and that get, makes sense. Yeah. Like in terms of like, it's not like LeBron was going and finding, we need to get Lance Stevenson a job ASAP. Like it wasn't like guys like that. It was just his, for lack of a better term, his buddies. Yeah. Um, who also happen to be pretty good basketball players, but like. Not what they needed. Not, not in the roles yeah, that they needed. They didn't need big fan of Austin Reeves. Guess what? Alex Caruso fit the role better. And I guess Austin Reeves was a way cheaper he's, option. But And he's a, yeah, they do different things. But yeah, I see what you're saying. I just was like hustle white guy. That's what my brain did. But yeah, um, Austin Reeves is like a star for them almost now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably going to be their like most like we need this guy back, which is crazy. Yeah. Respectfully to Austin Reeves, that's crazy. Yeah, no. I mean, if you would have told me a year ago that Austin, like who would you rather have between Austin Reeves and Tyler Hero it was like an actual conversation. Like, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but is it? If they're on different teams, is it? If Austin Reeves is a Miami Heat legend, I don't Tyler know. Heroes for the Lakers, is it? Are you saying that Austin Reeves wouldn't be good on other teams? Uh, not as good, and he would not be in this crazy L.A. market that we have both just expressed our disdain for. You know, I was kind of on this the same opinion as you. Just um, a thought. Uh, not, not, a, not a strong stance. You don't yeah. need to call me a big, a big brand stan. Yeah, not no. to assault. Uh, I just, just a thought. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I, that's how I always felt about Austin Reeves too throughout this whole year up until really the po- like the later in the season, then the postseason, and then especially the Western Conference Finals. It's like Austin Reeves is really freaking good. Like he it like handles things for that. He's just like a really tight ball handler. He's not a three and D wing. That's how what I always described him as. Like that's just not it. That's not what he like. He can do that, but he is a ball handler. Like he's he runs pick and rolls, and he's like efficient at it. <laughs> It's pretty weird, but that's what he is. Um, he's bet like I would much rather have Austin Reeves. I don't even think that's a question. Much rather have Austin Reeves than Jordan Poole right now. <laughs> yeah, by a lot. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, what were we talking about? Um, the, LeBron. Yeah, I think he's thirty-eight. Skin- I've been calling him thirty-nine, but he's thirty-eight. He's um, going to be thirty-nine the next time he plays professional basketball. Oh, Palinka. I was well in December. He turns thirty-nine. Pretty sure it's December. Yeah, his birthday's like December 29th. Oh, the goat Tom Brady's in August. Sorry, wrong sport. Yeah, in August, December 30th. December 30th. Okay, he's barely, he's a young blood. He's barely 39 or barely 38. Yeah, 84. Six months, six months into 38 is pretty. Yeah, 1984. Him and Kid Cudi were born the same year, same calendar year in the same city. Well, he was born in Akron, I guess, but that's basically Cleveland. Yeah, the that's goats. gonna get a lot of people from Akron upset. <laughs> I mean, isn't it just a suburb? It's not even like a Lincoln no. Omaha situation, right? It's I like, think it is a Lincoln and Omaha situation. Oh, really? I thought it was part of like the Cleveland Metro. I think it is, but it's like far enough away that it's like mm. maybe it won't get that many people upset. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not like I guess I don't know. I don't know the like the the demographics, but I feel like it's far enough away. That I've always heard it described as like two different it's own city, yeah. Like the Gretna be. Omaha. Well, Gretna is definitely in the Omaha metro. Barely. I feel like, yeah. I'm, I Gretna mean, it's like a ways down the interstate, or down the highway, technically. But yeah, but it's like if you 
there's part, I mean, there's like Gretna extends into like, like there's uh, my neighbors, spoiler alert, like, or not spoiler alert, but I'm like just airing out where I live. Um, in Millard, I live in Millard and right next they to me, have Gretna. like, yeah, two blocks down from me is Gretna address, but like it's the same neighborhood. It's wild. Just because like Gretna, what Gretna itself is, is like not. There's like a there's a bunch of land in between. There's not just constant houses. Yeah, Gretna's shaped also really long. It's like tall. Oh, tall boy. Yeah, and like the part that everybody thinks of as Gretna is just kind of like the outskirts of it that's on the interstate, like with the outlet malls and stuff. No, well, because that's what like Gretna was, I think, for a long time. Yeah, before it exploded. But you have to drive for like at least five six minutes from there to actually get to where houses and stuff are, to where like the residential area is. Yeah. There's a National Valley Park in between Cleveland and Akron. Oh, okay. The, ooh. I, I can look this up later, but, <laughs> um, yeah. The other <laughs> thing I was going to say about Polenka, I guess, was, like, even though I, I was just defending him a little bit, the thing I'll still blame on him is the uh, AD trade. He still gave up way too much in that trade um, because, like, Obviously, I'm not saying it didn't end up working out. Like, obviously it did. It got them a title. But there's no way that's how much he had to put into the deal to get Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis was forcing his way out from Port, or from New Orleans. He had the same agent as uh, LeBron and, like, Clutch, the guy who, like, he basically runs the Lakers almost. And then he also said, Anthony Davis said, that the only team he wants to go to is the Lakers. And uh, his dad came out with a quote saying that uh, if AD gets traded to the Celtics, which is one of mm-hmm. the other teams, and on like the AD sweepstakes, yeah, he said that he won't play there and he won't resign there because he only had one year left on his deal. And so that should give the Lakers all the leverage in the world to make a deal. Like they shouldn't have to give up nearly as much as he's worth, but they ended up giving at least as much as he's worth, basically, because they gave up uh, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Alonzo Ball, not Kyle Kuzma, uh, Brandon Ingram, Alonzo Ball. So the best two of their three young guys. And then Josh Hart, who's another really good role player. Um, uh, every single pick that they had available, they gave up. Um, was one so, of those picks Zion or was it Zion? One of those yeah, picks ended up being Zion. Well, it might have been. Okay, which also... That might have been those Pelicans picks. Zion is not going to be a Pelican for a moment longer. Apparently there is turmoil down in uh, the Big Easy. Because yeah, it was quoted as he has no relationship with his teammates. Is that what it said? I didn't see that. I saw that it was little to no relationship with his teammates. I've always heard CJ say that like he's like he has things to work on to be as you know be like a leader, but like they're still friends. I thought, but I don't know. Well, that's also the like that. the vet on the team thing to say. Yeah, let me find it. From what I've been told, Zion has not been around the team so much this last summer, but that is not very different than the way he's operated in the past. He, that he has not made it a priority to be around the team as much, and he's sort of worked out on his own. There's definitely not a type of relationship that you'd like to have between a star player and a team. He also doesn't have a strong relationship with his teammates. From what I'm told, as you like to see, now that's not a prerequisite for success, but as you look to consider to trying to build bonds and moving forward, that is something to consider, and that being according to Brian Windhorse, obviously the most knowledgeable source on player relations in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and they would, 
and then, then the big thing is Mark Stein reported that the Pelicans have talked about shipping out uh, Zion for Scoot. Yeah, I have heard to that. To go get that pick. But I've um, also be- heard Brandon Ingram being the guy that they're – or I've also seen deals where it's like uh, – um, I just totally forgot his name. The young guy shoots threes, Trey Murphy. Uh, Trey Murphy and Herb Jones and basically a bunch of picks for the Scoot Henderson pick for the the second pick from Charlotte. Um, Is Zion worth it though? Like I get what he does on the court, but how many games has he played in his entire career? Is Zion worth it for Charlotte? Is that what you're saying? No, for anything. Like for for Charlotte's contract? Like how many games? That's worth looking up. How many games has he played? Has he played a full Um, two seasons in the NBA in five years? I think so. No, wait, no, I don't think a full two because that would be no. I'm saying has he played 160? He's Four. only played 114 games yeah, in his career. I was about career. to tell you. I was, it was around 100. I was going to say. He's drafted in 2019. We just closed the door on the 2023 season, and he has not played two. He hasn't played one and a half seasons. Yeah. It's been a little bit over one. It's been like one in a playoff run, basically, if he went to the finals. <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm not saying that those 100, and, 100 of those games have not been this guy. I get it. 90. I mean, he, every game he's played, he's been amazing. He's looked great. Every's a relative. Never dealing superlatives, my friend. But anyway, more I'm so. I feel like you like more so. No, as much a, as you can say that about a basketball player. Yes, he's looked very, very good in the time he's been on the floor. He's like an unstoppable. Like, he's like a a pocket sized shack with no, like he's literally Blake Griffin's going, athleticism. It's just 114 games in four seasons. Yeah, it's. That's the concern That's like for just sure. Just over what football players play in four years, if you but count preseason. If games. you look, if you took a snapshot at Joel Embiid's career around this point, it would probably be pretty similar. You know, and he ended up winning an MVP. Zion's not winning an MVP. I'll get like, a tattoo. Who's to say? Me right now. You. Like, that's what Williamson, I'm saying. Never time MVP. Okay, but I'm just saying that. If you look at how Joel Embiid has bounced back from his early uh, like career struggles with being on the floor being healthy like could we see at least a comparable level to what Embiid has accomplished I'm going to look because the first two years um he said he didn't play he didn't play at all the first two years zero games Joel Joel didn't still got to 94 games in the four years after not playing for two of them yeah and one of them they knew was coming and it was the same foot injury Jones fracture. Yeah, that's the same foot injury that Zion had. They had the same broken bone or same like fracture. See, I didn't know that. I'm just. Yeah. I don't. I'm at least that's I'm that's based off my. I don't know. I know for sure sure that Zion. I know for sure that Zion had his had a Jones fracture, but I think that's what Joel had also. And it's the same injury that Bill Walton had that like destroyed his career, but that was forever ago. And now we have better. Well, that's what's also crazy to me is like dudes are like back from an ACL. Like if they tear it game one, they could play in the playoffs. It doesn't happen, but like, yeah, I don't think it's that that. No, ACLs are crazy now compared to what they used to be. Are you? Do you mean ACLs or like do you mean like meniscus or something like that? ACL. How fast guys bounce back from ACLs? When that was obviously being dramatic. Who's bounced back faster than like nine months? football i have no idea oh. i'm just in my brain like guys will tear their acl and then like 
if it's the right type of terror, maybe it's not full. I don't know. They're just back already. And you're like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what Jamal's been out with for his ACL. Yeah, for that whole season and whole playoffs before that. Yeah. So that was like 13 months, 14 months, I want to say, that he was out for ACL, which was more than that. That was also played. That was played very correctly, so worked out for him. They Mm -hmm. played it pretty slow and casual. Yeah. And it's also fair to say, like, I don't know, it, it, not every ACL tear is probably the same, you know, yeah. like it's hard to gauge. Also, but. repairing an ACL on, like, Derek uh, Rose is an example of a guy whose ACL is like, that needs to be built a little different if he's going to yeah. play how he's going to play. Compared mm-hmm. to, if Steph were to tear his ACL, I feel like they would just have different demands yeah, for on, sure. their, on their legs and knees and things of the such. But anyway, um, that's just... We, we, we've been all over the place. We, we kind of gave been. people a warning at the beginning that this is it's just going to be scatterbrained. It's been it's, a good conversation, but there there are some things I want to hit on before we get out of here. And we don't need to do the trivia game uh, just because I want to talk about basketball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we talked about NBJ, the interview and stuff. Oh, okay. This is the, the narrative I wanted to bring up, which was the – some people – not even some. I see a lot of people doing this. I, I've just – I feel like this time has taught me more than ever to just ignore people that say things that are, I want to argue with, but I'm just like, I'm not going to because um, I see a lot of people talking about how uh, the Nuggets finals run this year was like the easiest of all time. And thank you for bringing this up. It's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And all they go based off of is the seeds like that they faced and I don't know. It's just such revisionist history to me because it was like, if you, if you rewind a month ago, there was so many people in comment sections. I was seeing that like people were saying that the nuggets could not win. Like it was, there was no way the nuggets were going to make it. And they knew that what light like laid ahead of them was basically what happened. You know, they knew we were going to face the suns. They knew we were going to face the Lakers at at a certain point. And, even when that was in front of us, they were saying, no, the Nuggets can't do it. Is this is this Warriors team the best six seed we've ever seen? Is this one of the best seven-seeded Lakers teams yeah, that we've ever seen exactly. come out of the seventh seed? So now that it's convenient that it looks like it's all these low numbers that the Nuggets rolled through, oh, it's it's whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. So if you sent the Celtics up lambs for slaughter to get beaten five, does it look that much better than if it's the eight-seeded Heat, who were probably a better team at the time? Uh, mm-hmm. but, but you know what I'm saying like it thank you for bringing this up because I saw it was a uh, Colin Cowherd was like the improbable Nuggets run what was improbable they had a should be MVP yeah yep they had a team that is built to win in the playoffs yeah not this <laughs> offensive flashy it's just kind of yeah anyway the, like we've thank been you for bringing we've that been up. competitive in the playoffs without our our second and fourth best player if you want to call him the fourth or fifth best Sixth. whatever I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'll say fourth. I think he's fourth. Um, (laughs) Our second and fourth best players. Like we've been still competitive in the playoffs the past two years. Like, why did you think that that we wouldn't be a a real contender when we got those people back? It just doesn't make sense. Um, But I saw that apparently I saw JJ Redick had this note uh, or this tidbit, which was, there's apparently in this playoff run, the Nuggets have faced a record-breaking 81 all-star selections upon the opponent 
teams. So obviously most of those are from LeBron, <laughs> but um, 81 all-star selections total from the teams that the Nuggets have gone against. And then another record-breaking one is the all-defensive selections. It was like either 22 or 23 all-defensive selections um, for players that we went against. So it was. I get those, but I hate those. I know yeah, why it, they it doesn't. Exist. It doesn't necessarily mean much, but at the same time, it it's like it's enough to tell you that this wasn't the easiest path to the finals ever. It couldn't have been. No, you could argue that the uh, five rings that George Mikan won uh, for the Minneapolis Lakers might have been easier, as they yeah. won five of their first seven. I looked it up. Right there, that's why. Mm-hmm. Won five of their first seven. Yeah, and there was only like. 16, and then he retired. Then they struggled to sell tickets so bad after he retired. A guy that they barely claim as a part of their franchise history. And I might be actually going overboard on this. More of Lakers fans might claim George Mikan than I like give them credit for. But I feel like you never hear about like all-time Lakers, George Mikan, like one of the first, not even one of them, someone that was labeled the first superstar to ever exist in basketball. Yeah, he was, yeah. Just He's the first just, all-time scoring just, just leader. Rushed over. Or the first consist the first one that held it for a long time. At least I think George Mikan had it until maybe Kareem even. Um, maybe. But anyway. Wilt, Wilt probably passed him. Yeah, I think it was Wilt. But yeah, um, anyway. But yeah, his jersey, the the gist of it is his jersey's not hanging up in uh, crypto.com arena or whatever it's called. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> oh, man. That's. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, think so, how crazy that is. It is Just, crazy. If you have that, like, that's literally equivalent that if Boston would have been like, oh, we can't make it work in Boston. We're going to go to Miami. Bill Russell's not in the Raptors. That's yeah. how stupid that is. It's it, like oh, almost yeah. parallel. It's almost that. Yeah. It's like a little bit different. Cause like the eras are like, there was that, it was that weird before, but like, it's and the it same idea. 11 rings versus five, but yeah, like it's the same I get what you're concept saying. Concept of an older player from an era beef before that you don't yeah. recognize now. And then also, nobody brings up Lakers only had five into the 70s. After Mike and left, it took them like 15 years to get another one. Yeah. Not saying that it's not impressive that they got in the past 12. They all count. They're all great. <sighs> Mickey Mouse ring and all. But mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. That was more of a joke to poke at people. But the, uh, that's just, it's just a level of craziness to me to be like, oh, this integral piece of basketball history that could arguably have like awards named after them and is this giant deal and like if the nba were like we're gonna retire george mikan's number across the entire league i'd be like okay (laughs) i wouldn't be like well that's just stupid i'd be like that's kind of a weird name to pull out of a hat but that's cool whatever Mm -hmm. it was a big deal Mm -hmm. obviously wouldn't happen now it's pretty late but yeah yeah but i see what you mean I, I I see what you're saying. I agree. Um, Man, this has been Lakers hate for no reason. They're just kind of catching these strays after getting uh, swept in the playoffs. But they deserve it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm not going to flex on it as, like, it was, like, a straight-up sweep because it was, a, it was a competitive series. I'm pretty sure it was, like, the fourth closest. I might just be pulling fourth out of nowhere. But the one of the closest um, uh, in terms of point differential sweeps of all time. Because the total point differential was like 23 points or something like that, um, even though it was 4-0. So it was a close series. But um, And yeah, the other thing is people saying that this isn't a great like Jokic run or individual run. So just looking at this finals run, it was like Gobert, Ayton, AD, and Bam Adebayo were the four big men that Jokic had a match up with each round. And 
Like if you were to just pick the four guys, like just pick, I don't know, maybe five or six guys that uh, you would want to guard Jokic in a playoff series. I'd say at least three of those guys are, are in that. Cause like Bam, yeah, like, it depends on how you sure. phrase the question. If, if you want to phrase it as just to guard Jokic, then I think it's, you say Gobert, Aiton and AD would be three of the top four or five probably. If, but if you rephrase it as who are the best defensive bigs in the NBA, like Bam would be added into that group and Aiton might drop out of it. Like, you know, but no, but the way that Bam played, like, yes, those are out of all of the, like, okay, we have the entire NBA's roster at our disposal to try to slow down Jokic. The fact that you hit three of the five names for mm-hmm. Jokic alone should mean that like it's crazy if, that if, he would, if, still was able to do what he did in systems you can't control like yeah. you can but you can't count that into like because like yeah there's systems i'm sure that the nuggets were like we don't want that system coming at us at all defensively mm-hmm. you know what i mean but yeah. like in terms of just oh there's mono mono man on man you couldn't have really prime dwight howard okay whatever yeah. like there's prime shack there's all the but like in terms of right now three of the five yeah yeah for sure i mean that's what Gobert has always been compared to is prime Dwight Howard in terms of his defensive ability. And like people crap on Gobert a lot, but I think Gobert genuinely did the best job guarding Jokic this entire playoff run. I think AD was a close second, but Gobert, I think he did the best job. If there's any world where you're trying to tell me that that Timberwolves team goes head to head with any of the other teams, the like nuggets played and wins more than two games, you're crazy. I agree. Yeah, I, people I agree forget that. that the T Wolves beat the Nuggets once. Yeah, and it wasn't. And it, they didn't get destroyed either. It was they, there was a couple. It was the two ugly games, the loss, and then two competitive games. Is that what it was? In the Timberwolves series, we the game we lost was pretty bad, and the two of the games we won were also really close. One of them, I think, went to overtime. That's honestly. what I mean. I thought it was two close ones, and or no, the one we close- lost, I think, went to overtime. Actually. Sure. I just thought there was two close games, two Nuggets wins that weren't really that close, yeah, and then the, yeah. the loss. It was something like that. But anyway, Rudy Gobert was a part of that. Aggress- so was Anthony Edwards. Like there was, but like if that Lakers team plays that, like the Lakers win that series also, like pretty definitively. Against Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, tr- I'm just trying to like say that like. Jokic just because like the on paper teams, oh the T Wolves weren't as good as the team as the. Warriors, they got to dodge the Warriors. That's just how the playoffs work. Mm-hmm. If, if that's then it should be, yeah. Anyway, I'm just gonna keep rambling, rambling, and saying stupid. Things. I think the Nuggets would be anybody this postseason. Yes, honestly, for sure. Like outside of like, I thought that like Milwaukee, maybe a healthy Milwaukee would have been a good run for them. Um, but that but was, I don't think that Nuggets shouldn't like. I don't think the Bucks should be heavy favorites in a series like that at no, all. That's a close one. They go six or seven. Yeah, I put it, the Celtics in the same thing if they looked like they th- I thought they would have mm-hmm. honestly um but I think no I think the Nuggets were the best team this year and they won yeah you can't ask for a better I up agree. to a season than that yeah I mean sure the the final series itself was you don't say anticlimactic because they gave us but like that's just how the cookie crumbled and the best team won yeah what that else was the do other people thing how was anticlimactic people saying that this series is so boring apparently it beat out the uh last year's finals in terms of ratings the celtics and yeah those and giant markets of boston and warriors 
stupid they, they are giant Blizzard markets fans. but like it's crazy I, apparently and i think my theory is at least all of the neutral fans like all the people that aren't fans of either team were probably more um engaged or more interested in uh nuggets heat matchup than they were uh golden state celtics matchup because i feel like maybe a lot of other people that are neutral fans they have like a natural distaste for always seeing the warriors on or always seeing the celtics on and they're like oh somebody new like i don't ever see anything about the nuggets or the heat and so they're watching that instead i don't know if that's the reason why but um so there's some reason why because i I don't know why else that we would have beat the or the Nuggets in the Heat matchup would have beat the Warriors and Celtics matchup in terms of ratings. No, um, it's definitely the Warriors are like a. If this was a 2016 final Celtics Warriors, it's way different. Or here's the thing: Is it Jokic? Do people like Jokic a lot? Is that what we're finding out right now? That the world like Jokic is a very marketable superstar. I feel like he always has been. I don't. Is the people that, do not people not know that? No, no. The league has always oh. acted like that's the opposite. Like they've they've gone out of their way to not market him because In his play style. He doesn't do these things that's going to be on. Like he does some, but he's never doing it. It's like wow, he just threw that ball a hundred foot perfectly, exactly where we wanted to. That's pretty cool. But yeah, it's not football. It's basketball. Yeah, like so he, that's why they fa- think they can't market him, but oh. they're wrong. I I think that they were wrong. Um, my favorite thing, though, is everybody's really like this weird Jokic like shuffled and fling it over his head and it goes in. Sambor shuffle. Was, but everybody was having these like conniptions of like, how does this go in? Why? And I'm like, it happens kind of a lot. It it's, does. It can't, it can't be an accident. Like he he has some sort of thing in his brain that just makes it work. That's the thing. People saying that it was an accident. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It surprises me so much how this guy has won two MVPs and probably should have won a third. And you guys still weren't watching him this whole time, because if you if you just watch it like a, a steady diet of Jokic, you would see that happen like once a, a month at least. If you I would could, say if, more than that, like it's, well, I mean, it's, like you're not watching every game, so oh, like yeah. just every once in a while, you, you're watching a national televised game. You'll like you'll see that happen. He he shoots shots like that. Like he's one of the best. Like I've said this for years that he's one of the best. Like. Oh, I I'll, I guess I'll shoot it. Like the, the shot clock is about to hit zero. I'll just throw this up. Like he's one of the best, like those kind of shots makers I've ever seen. It just goes in <laughs> and he does it consistently. And he said even in interviews before that that's his favorite type of shots to shoot because there's not like he doesn't have to think about it. He's, he doesn't he just, have a choice. He has to shoot it. So it's like, you know, you have nothing to lose. Basically, he just has to shoot it. Which I can relate to because I feel like I get in my head a lot when I play sports and like when I whenever I shut my brain off or I'm like I just have to take the shot that nobody's expecting to go in like those, those are sometimes my like best shots. So me and Jokic are the same person is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I love me some Jokic. I love that he. I mean, thirty, fourteen, and ten. Just think about that. That that's what that he averaged average? on the uh, whole playoffs. Thirty, fourteen, and ten. It's pretty good. Yeah, and he did it on like good efficiency for anybody else. It was fifty four percent. But if you're comparing that to what he did this regular season, that's like that's terrible. Yeah, it's like pedestrian numbers because he shot sixty three percent from the field in the in the regular season. Um, that's that's crazy. That's that's wild. But yeah, okay. So that's basically all I wanted to say. I guess I'll, um, yeah, game five. It was rough. But we won it, Jokic. Uh, even though everybody, it was rough for everybody else. Which, yeah, that was one tidbit I, f- I forgot to mention that I do want to mention is 
This was the worst three-point shooting game that any winning team in a playoff game has ever had in game five of the NBA Finals. We shot uh, 13% from three, I think. We shot only six or 7% in the first half. But yeah, that's okay. that's pretty insane. And but Jokic was the only person that had like an efficient stat line. Everybody else was under fifty percent, under forty percent, something like that. Jokic shot uh, twelve of sixteen and, and scored twenty eight points with sixteen rebounds, four assists. And if you watch that game again, he should have had at least double digit assists. But we, how many shots we were missing? He only ended up with four. Um, but yeah, so that I think will be today's episode. It was all over the place, but. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Um, happy to happy to have Jacob back doing this again. We want to continue to do this throughout the, the off season every week. Um, the the draft, which is normally our favorite time of the year, it kind of feels weird this year because of my Nuggets have just won the title. Um, but that is like very very soon, like scary soon. Um, we'll do a draft spectacular. Yeah, it might be after the draft. It might be before. It might be during. I don't know. You might get it after, but we'll 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 give you our opinions as they come because I think we could have a crazy draft night when it comes to the teams that are currently in the places they are at. I'm not sure we'll end up there. So yeah, for sure, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and that is Thursday, June 22nd. Um, so this coming Thursday. So I don't know when we'll record next. It might be before next weekend. So be looking out for that. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Do all the stuff I said at the beginning, and yeah. Uh, stay happy, stay healthy. We will talk to you guys next episode. Peace.